Bibles this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Good to see you, Miss Colleen, Brother Eric. Um, good to see them this morning. We're almost back to full capacity. People are coming back from summer vacation. Uh, we got some visitors here. That's good. They're moving, moving, moving their, their college-age student kids in, and good to have you this morning. And uh, we're just going to try to make much of Jesus this morning. I think we should. Matthew chapter 12, and later on we may go to 1 Kings chapter 10. So just uh, think about that. Don't be searching. I love to hear the sound of Bible pages turning still. I don't like it after it's been about 10 minutes. Just stop where you're at and just continue there, but we'll, we'll catch up, right? Matthew should be pretty easy. So Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38, it says, Then the certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. There's two sections there that I would like you to underline in your minds and your hearts. Jesus compares himself and says that there is somebody that is greater than Jonah. There's somebody that is greater than Solomon. And both of these men, they had, they had to be great to begin with, right? You tell me that you're better than me in basketball. You're just going to be better. You're not going to be greater. You're just going to be better. I can't play basketball. But if you were to put Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and you said, I beat him, that person's got to be great in order for you to be greater than him. And I want to preach just a little while on a greater than Solomon is here. I know the Bible has Jonas first. But in order to understand what a greater than Jonas is, we must first understand what a greater than Solomon is. And if the Lord will allow us, we do have church on Sunday nights. And they are different. We sing different songs. We come at different times. We preach different messages. And if God will allow it, I'll preach on a greater than Jonas is here tonight. So if you would, bow with me. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless this time together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you once again for an opportunity to stand behind your pulpit. And Lord, I just love you and I thank you for what you've given us. I pray, Lord, you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. I, do you, I pray you do more through me than to me. I love you, and I thank you for what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get to Solomon, we have to get back to verse, uh, verse 38 here, where the Pharisees came across and, and made a statement. He said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. It was not a question, would you show us a sign? Um, it would please us, could you, could you just demonstrate some of your power? It was a statement of unbelief for Jesus to demonstrate a sign. A sign is, uh, 18, Webster's 1828, is a token, something by which another thing is shown or represented. In Florida, we have storms every evening. 
When I step outside, I see a black cloud coming. That is a sign that a storm is coming. That sign is weather is changing. And in fact, Matthew 16, it, he tells the Pharisees that you can discern the weather, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And whenever that rain starts falling on my head, it's, it's not the time for the weatherman to come out and say rain is coming. It's too late. The sign has already told us what is coming, not what is here. If I walk into somebody's yard, and dogs love preachers for some reason, they always come after us, and a dog comes running after me, I don't need the owner to come out with a beware of dog sign in their hand. It is too late. That sign needs to be on the fence for when I walk in the, in the gate, I know what is coming. And you know what? We see that the issue is unbelief. It's hard hearts. If you look through Matthew 12, in verse 14, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of breaking the law on the Sabbath day. They have stuck their religion above the word of God. Deuteronomy 23, 25, you want to make it know that? He could do that. He can go out. He, the, the, he made the law of the Sabbath. Jesus can do as he pleases. He's God. So he, they accuse him of, his, of breaking the law of the Sabbath. They plan to destroy him in verse 14 because he, he had healed a, a withered man's head, a hand. Okay, there's two signs. And then, he, he uh, verse 22, he brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. The, lev, the, the devil left, the blindness left, the, the speech impediment that he had left, and then they accused him of doing the work in Satan. How can Satan cast out Satan? It, it wasn't a sign that they needed. This was nothing new for the Pharisees. And it was nothing new for Israel in general. Moses, the time of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets, and Jesus Christ, those are the three times that miracles were prevalent in your Bible. They'll be again in the great tribulation when Satan will work all lying wonders and miracles as well. But that time many people will fall for them. But when Moses' day, when he had signs and he, and he led the people out of Egypt, when he destroyed ten of Egypt's gods with the plagues, God did. God destroyed them. They got out into the wilderness. They wanted to go back to Egypt. The signs didn't help them. Elijah would call down fire from heaven. Elisha would raise up a Shunammite's boy. But, the, but Israel would still want to serve the false god of Baal. Jesus would come. And he made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the devils be cast out, and they would crucify him. It's not the signs that they needed. They, they looked at, he says, Master, we would see a sign. Give me a sign. How many more do you need? Did Jesus give them a sign? Look what he did. He pointed them to the scriptures. He, he didn't give them a sign. He pointed them to the scriptures. Jesus tells them that you don't need any more signs. You've got the scriptures. Isaiah 7, 14, he said, a virgin shall conceive. There's a sign for you. There's a sign for you. A virgin birth, sinless life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. How's that for a sign for you? Those signs are coming. In looking for signs, notice what they call him. They call him master. They forgot about the scripture. They're looking around at signs. He's not the Messiah. He's master to them. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, if we start looking around for signs, he'll become a master instead of our Messiah. He'll, he'll be a sign instead of the Savior. Just as the, the, the Pharisees 
We named three signs that they went through in just this one chapter. You'll never be satisfied if you're looking for signs. But you will be satisfied in the scriptures. Three reasons we don't need uh, signs in this day and age. We've got the Savior, amen. He's already came. It is finished. Salvation's plan is done. He sits on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. We have a Savior, but we also have the Scripture. We've been talking about that in a, with the teenagers. It's God's revelation to man. It's inspired of God. It's preserved of God. It is illuminated by God when you read it. It's applicable. Your application is there in your everyday life. It's not just a church book or a religious document. God wrote it for your learning and your admonition. We've got the scriptures, but we also got the Holy Spirit. And I know we're Baptists, but Baptists been shouting before that other movement ever got a hold of it. We've always had a home in heaven. We've always had our feet planted on the word of God. We've always trusted in the blood and the blessed hope and the Bible and the scriptures. We got more to shout about than anyone in this world has to shout about. I can't go to hell because Jesus said it is finished. I put my faith and my trust in him. I'm no longer a child of the devil. I'm a child of the king. We don't need to look for signs. We have it. We walk by faith and not by sight. And they're walking by sight. And you know what he said? He said, a greater than Solomon is here. And I could see how they could be confused, right? Jesus didn't own anything in this world. He was a carpenter on earth. He, he didn't have a father. He had a mother in heaven. He had a father, but not a mother. You can't pick him up. It, he, was, he, was, he was born in a borrowed womb. He dies in a borrowed tomb. As he walked this earth, he said, he said the birds have nests. Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And then they, then, then they parted his garments on the cross of Calvary. He had nothing. He tread lightly in this world. And you're trying to tell me, Pharisee, that you are greater than that great king, Solomon. How could Jesus be greater than the great king, Solomon? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 10. I want to show you. Three ways. It's in there. It's in there, I promise. We don't go to Kings much, amen? Well, I didn't, I didn't take you to Joel or Habakkuk or anything of that nature, so 1 Kings is pretty easy. It's in there. This is that 1 Kings chapter 10 is the pinnacle of Solomon's reign. The pinnacle of his reign. Solomon was a great king, one of the greatest kings after David. In 1 Kings chapter 10, we'll read the first, uh, let's read verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with the camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she, she communed with him of all that was in his heart. In verse 23, so King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for his riches and for wisdom. And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. First of all, Jesus is greater than Solomon in his reputation. Solomon was known for his wisdom, and Solomon was known for his wealth. In verse 1, the queen of Sheba, she come from Africa, somewhere in Africa, the they don't know where, but she, she traveled a long way. 
to come and see and see and hear who this Solomon is. She, the fame was spread abroad in verse 23 and 24. It says that all those earth sought Solomon. Heard of that fame. She had to see it for herself. Jesus, there's never been someone with a reputation like Jesus. To the Christian, he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. I've been at the bedside with many preachers and, and great Christians. I, would, I know there's no great Christians, there's a great Christ within us, but people that led by example what it's like to live for Christ and do things for Christ. And not one time has one ever regretted walking one single step with Jesus Christ. But I've met them whenever they've said, I wish I would have started sooner. The reputation around the Christian. You wonder why we get excited. You wonder why we sing songs, why we take days out for, on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and uh, maybe even Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're fanatics. We just love Jesus. If you love something that's important, you're going to spend time with it. You're going to spend your talents with it. You're going to spend your treasures with it. No man has ever been born like Jesus. The angels heralded him in. He was conceived in a virgin's womb. He lived a spotless and blameless life. There was no sin. He would die as an innocent man for your sins and my sins and be crucified as a criminal, but he was 100% innocent. 100% man, 100% God willingly laid down his life to die for you and me. There's no reputation greater than Jesus. I remember that day. I remember somebody stood up and, and you know what? Anyone in here that's ever preached, don't think everyone's going to remember what you say. I don't remember what the preacher said whenever I got saved. I just remember he said something that I had to have something that I did not have, and that something was Jesus. I remember sitting in the back, and he said, do you understand? I understand that there is a hell to, gain, a hell to, hell to lose and a heaven to gain. I understand that I'm a sinner and I'm going to hell if I don't get something straight, and that's not me feeding the homeless. That's not me getting baptized. That's me by faith accepting what Christ's finished work was. And I remember that day. And look, when she got over there and she got a hold of the king, it says over here that, uh, it says that the half, look at verse 7. I believed not that the words until I came and mine eyes had seen, and behold, the half, half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Boy, I'll tell you, she wasn't disappointed when she found Solomon. And I'll tell you, I've never, not once, not one second, not one minute, not one hour, ever been disappointed walking with Jesus. He's always held up his end of the bargain. He's always been faithful. And he's always been there in the time of need. And I like that where it says all the earth sought Solomon. That was a good thing in Solomon's day. But in our day, what if all the earth would seek Jesus? Amen. What if all the world would quit looking around at what's going on and start putting their eyes on Jesus and what he can do for them? The half has not yet been told. Why do we go out and, and go, to, go hand out gospel tracts? Why do we go to the, the, the football games? Why do we support missionaries? Because we want all the earth to seek after Jesus. We want to know what he can do. And then you see his wisdoms scattered about there too. Solomon was a man who asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. He wrote three books of the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he wrote the Song of Solomon. He wrote a bunch of songs too. The Bible says Song of Solomon was his greatest hit. That's how I see it. We don't know the other ones. Somebody said one time Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon when he was 
newly saved and newly knew God, and that's, that's Solomon's romance with the Lord. And then as he grew and he matured, the book of Proverbs is his romance with the Lord. He learns to forget some of the things of the world, the less important things, and move on with God. But then Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities. He, he's in his older age, and he looks back at all the things that he's done, and those are Solomon's regrets. And he still says that he needs to trust the Lord and look upon him. Jesus was a greater author with his wisdom. He wrote 66 books. The Bible's not all that he knows, but it's all that we need to know. Jesus is the wisdom personified by Solomon in the book of Proverbs when he starts talking about it. And let me tell you today, wisdom to us, Christ dwells within us, Colossians 2, 3, in whom Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What is wisdom? What's the definition of wisdom? Wisdom is simply thinking like God thinks. When we read our Bible, we're not being conformed to this world. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need a spiritual scrubbing after walking in this world for just a few hours. We need, to, we need to get the filth out of our mind and out of our hearts. The battle's in the mind. We need to think on certain things. We need to get our thought life right. And the way you do that is get in the Word of God. Clean it out. That's, that's why I, I said this before. You can, you can use an electronic device, but when I read my Bible, I like a hard copy. Right? I can grab Kings. I can gra grab Daniel. I can grab Matthew. I can grab a whole bunch of stuff in my Bible. The only text message I'll get is hopefully from the Holy Ghost. It won't bother me. I don't have to put it on the charger. I don't have to worry about the battery dying. I've got it. Amen? And the wisdom that we have. And the Queen of Sheba, Sheba traveled a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. We only need to travel a short distance through our Bibles to hear the wisdom of Christ. That's how he's greater. Wherever your Bible is, there's all the wisdom you need. You, you say you got a problem with your finances? Don't ask Brother Pete. He's good at it. He, he's your second choice. Go to the Bible. What's the Bible say about finances? Teenagers, you don't know how to obey, obey in home? What's the Bible say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Husbands, you don't know how to, to, to care, care in your wife, your, for your wife. Your marriage is falling apart. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The Bible has all the answers. We don't need an organization. We don't need a plan. We don't need anything else. We've got the wisdom of God in our laps, in our homes, multiple copies. Don't leave it in your trunk when you leave this morning and open it up next week. It'll help you. And then 1 Kings 6 and, uh, 6 and 7. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and thy wisdom. What was said about Solomon just had to be seen. And when she saw him, he said, it's a true report. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me. Sanctify them with thy word, for thy word is truth. We've got the truth in the living Savior. we got truth in the written scriptures. And we got truth in the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit is truth. And, he, and then, then you get the representation. Thomas stuck his hand in his, in his side. And he said, surely this is the, this is the uh, Lord. He said, this is him. This is the Messiah, the uh, centurion. As they drove the nails into the hands and feet of Jesus, they, they were masters of, of the body, and they knew how to make it hurt the most. 
how to drive the nails in certain places so they wouldn't bleed out too fast. They wanted them to suffer on that cross of Calvary. And every time that hammer rang on Jesus' hand, he said, surely this must be, uh, truly must be God. He said he doesn't move. He doesn't squirm. He's laying his life uh, down for us. It is a true report. Then it mentions of good acts, his actions. Solomon had some questionable character traits. As you read through there, next, next chapter he goes, this is his pinnacle, and it goes downhill pretty sharply. You've got Solomon's girls, you got his, he's got his, uh, you got his girls, their gods, and then you've got his grave later on. But at a pinnacle right here, he had some good acts, maybe some good character traits. All I can think about is the good acts Jesus has done for me. The good acts. He, he's given me a good home. He's given me a good wife. He's given us a good church. What a church family we got. I got a car that runs. I got, I got a roof over my head. I got a carpet under my feet. I got breath in my lungs. I got kids in the back. I got more to shout about. You wonder why I say amen. You wonder why I just carry my Bible, why I tell everybody about Jesus. Because of what he's done to me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. I'm a prime example that God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Amen. I'm telling you, God's been good. Has God been good to you? Has he been good to you? He's going to be good to you. And I'll tell you, look at verse 7. It says, it exceeded the fame which I had heard. I heard about Jesus. I knew he could save me. He could keep me out of a devil's hell. But I knew, now I know through trials and tribulations, he gives me the strength to preach. He gives you a nursing home. We got a nursing home next week. It'll be good to see Brother Eric and Miss Colleen back. We got one of uh, Miss Sarah's friends. Miss Lena's been coming up and helping us. Come on up to the nursing home, the living center. Let's preach the, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ to him. He's been good to us. He's been, he's been better than I ever deserved. And I can't even, and every day he gets better. I watched my dad die of cancer. He had cancer. He was given nine months to live. He only made it five. And not one time, I, I didn't understand what was, what was going on. I'm a man, if it breaks, I'll look at it and maybe try to fix it. And uh, if, it's, if it's broke already, I can't do it any worse damage. So I'll give it a fair shot at it. But when you get the call that a loved one has cancer, I can't do anything with cancer. There's not a toolbox in my garage. There's not a person I can call that can. But you know what? The Bible says that all good things happen to them that love God and are called of according to his purpose. Cancer may be bad. I'm going to miss my dad, but God's got a purpose for this in my life. And you know what? You look back and you don't see that the, you doubt the Bible any, at all. It becomes more real to you. You know that God really just walk with you and talk with you as, as, as your own life's narrow way. God's been good to us. He's great in his reputation. Everybody talks about Jesus. When you stub your toe, you don't say Muhammad or Hare Krishna, right? Amen. Everybody talks about Jesus as a cuss word. He's not, he's not the big guy upstairs. He's not our buddy. He is Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God. That's who I, my Jesus is. And not only was he known for his wisdom, but he was known for his wealth. Jesus is greater in riches than Solomon. Solomon was pretty rich. And, and many sources say he was the richest person that ever lived. And many people will say, look at 1 Kings chapter 10. 
in verse 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. That's 666, by the way. The number of man, you can do some studies on that. And if you want to see what you can dig into that, you go right ahead and let me know. And kind of looking at that. But in today's inflated uh, economy, people will say that this was what he brought in in one year. And it could be anywhere. The numbers are all over the board. Anywhere from as low as $5 billion to $30 billion in today's currency. And that's not even including money from trade, from gifts, to taxation, all the other income. Queen of Sheba brought some things into him, brought some more stuff. 1 Kings 10, 21, there was so much gold and so much resources. In verse 21 of 1 Kings 10, and all the king... Of uh, all the king and all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the force of Lebanon were pure gold. None of it were silver. It was nothing. Silver was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. Verse 27 And the king made silver be in Jerusalem as stone. He had no silverware, it was all gold. Everything he did was gold. Solomon drank out of gold cups, ate with gold forks, and ate off gold plates. How can Jesus be greater than that? Solomon had golden stuff, but Jesus got a golden city. Jesus got a street of gold, walls of jasper, pearly gates. Paul went up there, and I I can't believe all these books where people say they went to heaven and came back. If Paul wrote most of the New Testament, he came back and he said, whether I'm in the body or not, I know not. Uh, he didn't write a report about it, but I think he saw something that put, put a backbone on him. I think Paul was on a suicidal mission. I think Paul was ready to go back, and God wouldn't let him die. And Bob, you read some of the things that Paul went through. He's like, man, I was there once. I was stoned in Lystra, drug out of the city. He's like, I'm going back in there to preach. You out of your mind, Paul. Paul said, I've been there once. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it again. That God wouldn't let him die. Still had a mission for him. Jesus preparing a mansion for us one day. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the Bible says, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. My dad's saved, blood-bought, born again. I see Miss Marilyn back there. One day we're going to see Brother Henry again. One day we're going to see Pastor Manning again. But I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to say hi to all of them. You can find me at the feet of Jesus. I just want to thank my Savior for what he's given me. I want to thank him for how good he's been to me. He's been too good to me for me to to put him him back and not put him forward in my life. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus later. That's a good place to be. The Christian life is like a bicycle. Either you're going forward or you're falling off. B.R. Lakin said one time, either, either, if you're closer to the Lord yesterday than you are today, you're backslidden. Get right. Amen? Amen. Solomon had so much that he spared nothing to the Queen of Sheba. Verse 13 of 1 Kings chapter 13, And the king of Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire. Whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. She had de- what she desired was above the bounty already given. God knows the desires of your own heart. And God will give you what you need, not what you want. 
God answers your prayers in yes, no, and wait. And it's not all the things that we think we need is the best things for us. We must trust God. And I'll tell you, the Bible says, I came under, I came under knowing Jesus under old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. The Bible says, preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. I'm not here because of a council session. I'm not saved because somebody gave me a coloring book in Sunday school. I'm saved because somebody got up and preached the word of God. Old-fashioned, one of those big red blood veins sticking out of their neck, hellfire, brimstone, judgment seat, reared back. They didn't air condition the depths of hell. They preached it hot. And I'm glad somebody did that. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm born again. You want to know my autobiography? I'll give it to you right now. I'll give it to you right now. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That was me. I was dead in trespasses and sin. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't care about God. I didn't want to go to God's church, read God's Bible at one time in my life. I was dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I was disobedient to God. I was in darkness to the things of God, among whom also we had our conversation or conduct in past times in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That was my past. I was in darkness, I was disobedient, and I was dead to the things of God. And what happened? I turn over a new leaf. No. You jump in the baptistry. No. You join a church. No. Good things, but no. Verse 4 says, but God. Amen. I was heading to hell as fast as you could possibly go, but God. You were heading to a devil's hell. You were heading to despondency. You were heading to bitterness. You were heading to jealousy. You were heading to envy. You were heading to all kinds of trouble, but God. I'm glad when God butts in my life, it's always for the better. But God, who is rich, he's rich, richer than Solomon. Solomon can't give you mercy, but Jesus can. He's rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, we didn't clean up. You don't, you don't, you got to catch the fish before you clean them, right? It says, but when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. It says, hath raised us up and made us sit, that's present tense, together in heavenly places with Christ, okay? My past was I was dead. Now I'm saved. I'm born again. Christ sees me so saved that I'm already sitting in heaven while I'm down here on earth. That's present tense, sitting in heaven. And then it says that in the ages to come, this is my future, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what grace is? First, 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Grace means unmerited favor. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. But somebody said one time, grace is giving you 
what Christ deserved. And I'm, God, I'm thankful for God's grace, unmerited favor. God loves us, cares, us, cares for us, saves us, and sustains us, a greater than Solomon in his riches. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. On the first half of that verse, you got my God. On the last half, you got Christ Jesus. Right there, book in with Christ Jesus and my God is your need in the middle and his resources. Your needs will never run his resources out. Jesus will always come back. Jesus is greater than Solomon in his reputation. Everybody, he's changed the face of history. There's never been a friend like Jesus. There's never been a person walked this earth like Jesus Christ. 100% God and 100% man. Dies on the cross of Calvary for us. Never been a greater in reputation. Never been a greater in riches. But Jesus is greater in his reign. Solomon would, would uh, be the king of Israel for 40 years. Saul, David, and Solomon would reign for 40 years. And they mostly say that Solomon's reign was a reign of peace. David was a man of war. Solomon got the, uh, got the, got the, the, the leftovers, so to speak, and he, he had it pretty good. It was, they, call, they say he had a, a reign of peace. Now, if you've been watching the news, you don't have much peace in your heart. If you've been listening to social media and friends that don't know Jesus Christ, you're not going to have much peace in your heart. Jesus said that he, the Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's whom we have peace in. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have peace with God and we have the peace of God in our daily lives. Thank God for that peace. It was a reign of power. He had a great military, a great navy. Solomon had horses. He had chariots. He had men. He had all these things. Did you read Revelation 19? That's at the end of the, at the, end of the tribulation period. We check out Revelation 4, church goes. We out of here. Revelation 19, we come back, and you see the word of God saddled up on a horse. We're going to saddle up with the Savior. We're going to be part of his army. He's coming back. And then I want to show you this real quick. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 18 through 20. God put it here for a reason, and I think I know why he put it here for a reason. I may be wrong. You can correct me later. But he talks about something. He talks about the king's throne, Solomon's throne in verse 18. It says, Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side of the place of the seat. And two lions stood before the, beside the stays, and twelve lions stood there on the one side, and on the other, upon six steps, there was not like the like made in any kingdom. God takes a moment in his holy writ to put down what Solomon's throne looks like. It is an ivory throne overlaid with gold. He would sit on that throne during his 40-year reign. But at the end of that 40-year reign, somebody else was going to sit on that throne. Rehoboam would take his throne. Although Solomon had an ivory throne, Jesus will have an eternal throne. The Bible says in Psalm 45, 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. 
Revelation 11:15 and the seventh angel angel shouted uh, sounded and there was great voice in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. He's called a prince in Revelation 1. Well, I thought he was a king. A prince is a king in waiting. His time is coming. When Adam fell, the dominion over man and, and, and the earth went to de the devil. Matthew 4, Luke 4, the devil promises him all the kingdoms of the world. God, Jesus didn't deny that he had control of them. 2 Corinthians 4 said the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. But there in Revelation 15... Jesus is going to take back what's rightfully his. And he's going to rule as he was. The reign of righteousness, Jesus is going to judge right. Every man will receive exactly what he deserves. We talked about Ephesians 2. And, and one day, there, at the end of the millennial reign, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. I don't know if it's ivory. I haven't done enough time to study this that busy week. But, I saw, but I, I'll, I'll look into it. You look into it. you got an answer, let me know. But it's a great white throne. And you know what? People's going to come up. Hell right now is like penitentiary. I mean, it's like the uh, the county jail. At the great white throne judgment, everybody's going to pull, be pulled up. It's going to be, they're going to stand before God. The books are going to be open. And you're going to stand before him if you've rejected Jesus Christ. And he's going to give you another chance. But you're not going to get a chance to go to heaven. You're going to have a chance to say a few more things to him. But his judgment is right, and he will be right in his judgment. And when you stand before him and you'll say, well, I, I really didn't know. I mean, I, I did this. He's going to say, August 21st, 2022, you sat in a church service at North Gainesville Baptist Church. The uh, preaching was get, went on. You were told how to get saved by faith, his grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. Jesus died for your sins, and that's the only way you get to heaven. And I even, I, the Holy Ghost himself went down there and tapped you on the shoulder. But I got video over here, and you walked out. And they'll grab him hand and feet and, and, and throw him into the lake of fire. That's the federal penitentiary. That's game over. And you know what? As Christians, we're going to see friends stand up there. We're going to see loved ones. We're going to see that one that works at the shopping center that, that you see every day and have an opportunity to witness to. They're going to look over and say, why didn't you tell me? You knew about this? Why are you on that side? Why are we on this side? Nobody's willing, willingly going to go to the lake of fire. That's why the angels got to cast them in there. And you're not going to go to hell and party, by the way. It's, it's prepared for the devil and his angels. And if you're not a devil and or an angel, you're going to go, and it's going to be, uh, you're going to go as an intruder. The Bible says, whenever Jesus was born, there was two ways to usurp the king. One was to kill the king that was on the throne, and two, to be born in the right lineage. Luke and, Luke and Matthew tell you Jesus' lineage was right. So Herod decided he's going to kill all the children under two years old so nobody would take his throne. But you know what? God had a plan. And when, when Jesus takes his throne, there will never be four years when Jesus can be voted out. There will never be eight years when we do a vote. He'll never be impeached, usurped, allegations brought against him, false allegations. Remember, he's the true one. He's the true witness. Jesus is the king in Psalm 22. Jesus is the king of glory. In Matthew 2, he's the king of the Jews. And he's the king of Israel. In John 1, 29, he's the king of saints. In Revelation 15, 3, he's the king eternal. 1 Timothy 1, 17, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in Revelation 19, 16, Jesus 
He looks over and he says, show us a sign. And he looks over all of the Old Testament and he goes, I know somebody you can relate to. How about this great king, Solomon? I'm greater than his reputation. I'm greater than his riches. I'm greater in my reign whenever I rightfully reign. And one more thing. Jesus is greater than Solomon in redemption. All the things that Solomon could buy, all the things in Solomon's possession, all the people that Solomon knew, all of the thousand wives that he had, could, give, it could not give him power over death. It could gain him fame, friends, recognition, recognition and praise, but it could not gain him access to heaven. Jesus said, we're not, redeemed by, we're not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he that hath silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Satisfaction comes from Jesus Christ. Get saved, get blood-bought, get born again, get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And he, Jesus said, what shall a man profit? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. I just want to tell you, we got, a, we got a big God. Jesus is God. God is God, and the Holy Spirit's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And Isaiah, when they said, holy, 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 one for God, one for the Father, and one for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you once again, be in your house. I pray, Lord, if somebody doesn't know this Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, we just love you and we thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your church. Thank you for what you've given us. And Lord, we just pray that you just be with us and help us understand how big you really are. Psalm 4 says, stand in awe and sin not. While we got sin so rampant in our homes and our churches and our lives is because we've lost the awe of God. And Lord, you are a God of love. You are a God of mercy. But, Lord, you are a God of holiness. And, Lord, we just love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.